for today is from John 1, 35-42. The next day, John was standing again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus walking along, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. The disciples heard what he said, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he asked, What are you looking for? They said, Rabbi, which is translated teacher. Where are you staying? He replied, Come and see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two disciples who heard what John said and followed Jesus was Andrew, the, the brother of Simon Peter. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated Christ. He led him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated to Peter. May God's word shape and form us. Good morning. I think the children are like 50% of our church, so it's, it's like, where'd the energy go? Um, but uh, we are uh, continuing the track of the lecturing, following the lectionary text. Um, so if you were enjoying the Genesis series and having a good time with that, uh, we took kind of a, a side route beginning with Advent, and now it's the second Sunday of what's called in church calendar Epiphany, um, where we reflect on the light of Jesus and the hope um, that he brings for the world. And uh, we are looking into, actually the last few weeks, into the person of Jesus, who Jesus is, and um, continuing in that, what, what that means for us, the implications of that. Um, we're in John 1, 35 through 42, as Casey just read. My first little, I have labels on the side, I'm trying this out. But my first uh, little subtitle is, Go Get It. And what I mean by this is not in a arrogant, cocky, go get it. You want it? Go get it way. Or some sort of imperialistic, right? That's my land, I'm going to go get it. Or uh, any way like that. But... What I've been reflecting on personally is the fire. Reflecting on in those times in Facebook on Thursdays, you love the hashtag throwback Thursday, right? You get, to, you get to post pictures of when you're young. For me, when I was young and thin, athletic, whatever it is. But throwback Thursdays. So I, I re oftentimes reflect on uh, the days when I could run harder and run faster and run with more endurance. Um, because lately I've picked up the game of Ultimate Frisbee, which I played in college, but I took kind of a break, a 20-year, 15-year, whatever-year break, 10-year break, um, until about a couple years ago when I had a checkup with my doctor, and my physician said, you need to start exercising and watch your diet because you, you want to be with your family a lot longer. So I uh, high blood sugar, my A1C was high, and so I needed to exercise more. And I tried running, I tried the gym, you spend all this money and you go like once or twice in a month. And, and running, it just is too boring. I get bored out there and then my knees hurt on the asphalt. So I quit that. But then I began to look back and think, hey, 
what, what do I really enjoy that's physical? And I was like, oh, in college, I loved Ultimate. So I looked up Ultimate pickup games at Maple Leaf, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturdays. So about a year and a half ago, I started playing. And um, the one thing that I noticed is that I lo- lost a step. I definitely lost a step. And I was just out of shape, right? Huffing and puffing. And there was all these young people, 20-year-olds, like jumping all over the place and um, trying to keep up with them. Maybe I can keep up for five seconds, but after five seconds, I'd lose it all, right? And one of the things that I've been reflecting on is where is my fire? When I was in my teens or in my 20s, I played competitively. And if I guarded someone, I wouldn't want them to score. And if they ran, I chased them down. And it was all about beating this person. But now, playing in my 40s, I notice like, oh, it's okay with me if I get beat, right? Or maybe I'll chase them. Uh, Like the other day, yesterday we had a game, and you know, I ran, we were on offense, I ran to cut, but there was a turnover, and then my person just took off the other way, right? When I was younger, I would have chased that person down, right? Like, but now that I'm older and more out of shape, I was like, oh, someone else will get them. It's okay. I'm 40. I'm 41. No one will think less of me. That's, that's like my excuse. But after the game, I was like, where is that fire? Right? Why am I not engaging anymore? Why don't I, why am I fine with just letting that person go? So what I told myself was, go get it. I need to start going to get it again. I need to start embracing and engaging in my life, embracing the competition. So this is getting into life. It's not just the game of ultimate. Embracing the competition, engaging. The places where I'm tired or I I just say, oh, just let that go, right? Someone else will pick it up or I'm I'm too old or it's just been that way all the time. I think I've been motivated and inspired and been thinking a lot about, no, don't let it go. Jump in there. Jump in the game. Get in. Anyone feel that way? Anyone be, has anyone been in a place where you're like, man, I've just been on the sidelines watching, or I know there's something in me that wants to engage more or jump in more or like try harder, right? New Year's is totally the time when we make resolutions all the time. Like, I'm gonna exercise more or I'm gonna be nicer or I'm gonna not road rage as much when I'm driving. And we always put those resolutions out there. I'm gonna try harder, I'm gonna go, uh, uh, uh. And we fail, we fall, we fall, we fall. But go get it. Where has that fire gone? Where is the elusive motivation? So in our passage, just a little bit of context. Last week we talked about Jesus' baptism in the Gospel of Matthew. In the Gospel of John, Jesus doesn't, or John does not directly deal with Jesus' baptism. It's just referenced on the side. John is talking about the baptism of Jesus. Here's Jesus who will be baptized, who will baptize you. Um, But the context before our passage is that the priests and the Levites and the other religious leaders in the temple are asking about John, were asking John and wondering about him. Who is he? Who's this guy that's going around 
preaching repentance and the kingdom of God is at hand. And then he's talking about, he's baptizing people. Right? Is he Elijah from scriptures? Is he a, a, the prophet? Does he think he's the Christ? Or, and they have all these questions about who, who he is. So they approach him and they ask John, who are you? Who are you? You're not the Christ, are you? You're not Elijah. You're not the prophet. Then why are you baptizing? And this kind of gave me, this was an interesting fact to me. Like it gave me some insight um, to how they viewed baptism or what was going on. Because they were like, you're not the Christ. You're not Messiah. You're not the prophet. You're not Elijah. Then why are you baptizing? As if maybe these are the only people if they came, would be, have the authority, right, the spiritual authority to baptize. And so they're wondering, because John has, quite, has built quite a following, and he's doing things with great authority, and he's turning upside down kind of the foundations, right, the religious foundations, the way things are, right, the status quo when it comes to the temple and the ways things are going on in the temple. And so they're, they're asking, who are you? So that's the setup. And in verse 35, it then says, The next day, John was standing again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus walking along, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard what he said, and they followed Jesus. The amazing thing about John the Baptist for me in Scripture is that his whole purpose, his whole call, right, his crucial role is to point away from himself to Jesus, right? There's someone else who's coming who's greater than me in Matthew, right? Oh, look, he's got his two disciples. Look, there's the Lamb of God, right? And everything is not about himself, right? It's about Jesus, Jesus. And to add insult to injury for me, Right? He has two disciples, and his two disciples are like, Hey, there's the Lamb of God. Let's drop John, and let's go follow Jesus. Right? So they start following Jesus, and Jesus turns around. And I don't know why they're following Jesus. They're curious. right? Or maybe they're thinking, Oh, yeah, John is like second in command, and he's pointing to Jesus. Let's go check out this Jesus guy. Maybe he's the Christ. Maybe he's the prophet Elijah. Maybe he's this or that. And so Jesus turns around and he said, he saw them following and he says, what are you looking for? And then the Greek, it's a lot better because it says, what are you seeking? Right? What are you seeking? And being the English major that I am, right, a lot, there's a lot of layers that this, bring, this one phrase brings up. Right? What are you looking for? Right? Maybe they're just look. Maybe it's very practical. They're just looking, like they say, we're just looking to see where you're going. Where do you live? Where do you hang out? Rabbi, teacher, where are you staying? Right? Or deeper, on a deeper level, it's what are you seeking? Right? In the way that this is the question for many of us still, right? Do we still ask these questions? Like, what is your quest? 
what are you seeking? Isn't this the question? Is this still a question that you ask yourself? What are you seeking in life? What are you hungering for? What are you chasing after? What are your deepest longings and desires? What is your quest? Have, the, have you found that purpose that you were looking for? When you were young and starting college or pursuing that job, pursuing that relationship, right? What do you still have that? Have you found that? Whatever that drive was, that fire, have, do you still have that? Are you still seeking? And uh, as I was thinking about this passage, it made me think about the U2 song, and this may date me, although U2 is universal, it's all, it goes across, U2 is a band that goes across generations, right? But the song, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. If you haven't read the lyrics to that, it's amazing, because he's, it's this journey of looking for something, and there's a lot of religious Christian imagery in it, and he's, the singer, the writer, singer, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And there's, it's a worship song. I think it's a worship song. Right? Because oftentimes in our faith lives and in worship, worshiping, right, it's not about completion, right? Worship is not just about, or our faith life is not just about knowing everything and having arrived. And we're like, woo! So now I can come to church because I got it, right? It's also, about, it's also about the doubts and the journey. Or I haven't arrived yet. I still don't get it, God. I still haven't found what I'm looking for, Jesus. I'm still searching. I'm still seeking. And Jesus is saying, sensing or knowing or feeling in these disciples of John who are now following him or beginning or wondering about following him, he's saying, what are you seeking? What are you looking for? Rabbi, we want to know where you're staying. And he says, and this is, a, this is repeated later on in the chapter, he says, come and see, right? And there's so many layers to this, right? Come and see. Oh, you want, you're wondering where I'm staying? Oh, I'm in that house on that corner, right? Fifth and Jackson. I'm at that house right there. I, I'm staying there. Come and see. Or you know, come and see my hood, my, my, my crib, right? Come and see. Or it could just mean, you know, it, they mentioned that it was 4 o'clock in the evening, right? Come and see. It's late. Come and be with me. Come and have dinner. Stay in my house. Receive my hospitality. Come. But on a deeper level, it's you're not going to find what you're looking for unless you come and see, unless you actually physically make a decision and some sort of commitment to engage, right? To go get it. You have to make a decision in your life to stop the thinking, stop the questioning, stop the wondering, and begin to experience. You see what I'm saying? Come and see. And later on in the chapter, Philip and Nathaniel are thinking about following Jesus. 
right? And Jesus says the same thing. Come and see. And it's Jesus' way of explaining, following him, right? Explaining, making his invitation into discipleship. He's saying, I'm calling you into a life and a relationship with me. You have questions for me, but you, those questions, one, you're asking the wrong questions. And two, those questions aren't going to be answered unless you come and see. Amen? Amen. What are you looking for? Most things you will never truly understand and grasp unless you experience it. Right? Like riding a bike. I can read about how to ride a bike. I can watch YouTube videos about riding a bike. I can talk about riding a bike. I can read books about riding a bike. But I will not learn how to ride a bike unless I jump on that bike, pedal, and fall on my butt. Right? To experience. You need to experience things in order to truly understand them. We like to investigate, right? We like to weigh things. We do the research. The other day I was buying knee pads. And I, I think I spent literally, and I'm embarrassed to share this, five hours researching all the knee pads, watching YouTube videos of knee pad unboxing, and like <laughs> reviews of the knee pads. And like, uh, what, Amazon. Amazon's so great. You can go on and see all the reviews. The more reviews, the better, right? 586 reviews. And then the question, I love the question and the answers, right? I was trying to buy some tights or some soccer training pants, and I'm really short, so, but I have a broad waist. So I'm like, what's the inseam? <laughs> Someone asked what the inseam is, right? They're like, what's the inseam? I need 29, not 32. I'm not six foot tall. And so I waste all this time doing the research, right? Before jumping in, before committing and buying it, right? But really, you're not going to know what, how something fits or how something works until you get it, try it on, and use it, right? But we want to get it before we do it, right? We want to lay everything out and have all our ducks in a row and be like, yes, 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 yes. Now I can, like, do it. But you know what? Jesus gets this. He understands people. And you know what he says? That's why he says, come and see. You're not going to understand it. You're not going to get it unless you jump in and experience it firsthand. You have to live what I'm about to get the full benefits. Truth, and this is the key, I think. Truth is not just knowledge attained, but it's a, way, it's a way in which you relate. And it's the who you are called by. It's whose you are, right? It's who you are and whose you are. And it's a relational thing. And what Jesus is calling the disciples into is relational, right? He's calling them into a relationship, and he's calling them into a better, deeper way of living life right of loving and living with compassion and living with love amen are you with me church amen it's about who you are and whose you are come and see and this is hard for us i think because we are information culture 
right? We're living in the information age. We, I love data and information. But the harder thing is to just engage, right? To go get it, to come and see. So the next thing I uh, have is meno, which in the Greek is to abide, means to abide. And in the book of John, you'll probably recognize it. You see this in John 15, for example, the word abide. Abide in me. If I abide in, if you abide in me and I abide in you, right? This word abide, and it's used 40 plus times, more than 40 times in the Gospel of John. And this is one of the first times uh, in verse 39. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. They they abided with him. It was 4 o'clock in the afternoon. This word abide, it implies relationship, right? Right? They They remained in him. They remained with him that day. That means they didn't just check out where he lived, right, or saw where it was at. They ate with him. They broke bread with him. They lounged. They talked story, right? They they stayed with him all night, right? And then they started to follow him. Um, Menno, abide. And this is also a very difficult thing for us. Right? Even with my kids, my kids are gosh darn cute to me. They're like cute. I, I should want to spend time with them all the time. Ah, like, but when I'm watching something or when I'm doing work, it's so hard to engage. Right? And this came to a head when Cammy was like, Appa, Appa, she was trying to show me. I was like, later, Cammy. And Cammy's like insensitive phase. Right, so I was like, later, Cammy. And she goes, when she starts insensitive and starts crying, she goes to the wall and like puts her face in the wall and starts crying silently. Right? Not even loud crying, it's just like silent tears. That's like even worse. It's deadly, right? Like a viper, it just gets my heart. Right? And I feel like I'm such a terrible father. I'm ignoring, I'm a neglectful parent, right? <laughs> Even with this cute little two-year-old, it's hard for me to fully engage and remain and abide with her, right? I just feel so busy or distracted. It's so much, it's so e- so much easier to be distracted. And we have a hard time with this. And we want a deep sense of meaning and purpose, if you're like me, um, you go on those binges, right? The Netflix show, you find that show that you really like, and you binge on Netflix, right? And you come to the season finale, and there's a Netflix commercial about this. You come to the season finale, and there are no more episodes, and no more shows, and you have entered the show hole, right? And you just, no, it's like, empty and meaningless and you go through the customers also watched this and you go to all those shows and you're like it's not the same there can never be a show like this show and it just ended i'm in the show hole and you get depressed life has no meaning i'll never find a show exactly 
like that. That makes me feel the same way. But if you continue to seek after Jesus, one thing will ultimately become true. Jesus will invite you into deeper relationship with him, and he'll invite you into deeper relationships. Jesus will invite you into deeper engagement with people. Jesus will invite you to care more about people, more about your neighbors, more about what's going on in the world. Jesus will invite you to sit at the table with people that you usually wouldn't sit with. Erica read um, a sermon from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And tomorrow uh, we celebrate the day uh, for MLK. Um, but one of the images in his I, famous I Have a Dream, he talks about this table. Right? I have a dream that one day my sons and daughters and your sons and daughters will sit at this table, and I'm paraphrasing, um, and be reconciled and eat together and fellowship together and be kin, right? And I, I hear that when I hear Jesus saying, come and see, come and eat with me. I'm inviting you into a life of engagement and your life will never be the same again because you're gonna go to places you didn't think you would go. Your life is gonna take turns you wouldn't think would happen and you're gonna, your heart is gonna be stretched, amen? How many of you have had your heart stretched because you said yes to Jesus, <laughs> right? It's gonna happen. Um, Jesus will invite you to come and see and it will feel risky and you may even feel a little scared and unsure. Um, but God forbid, you may feel much more alive. Amen.